Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food, from politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Hello, I'm Caroline Kenyon and I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of Bread and Butter, where we talk about all things food and all the things that I'm intrigued by and excited by. And today we're talking about a really fascinating and growing new development, which is food on subscription. So delighted to welcome Emily Caron, who is going to talk to us about bread subscription and Omar Mezian going to talk to us about nutritional meal development, nutritionally developed meals by subscription. So please introduce your, yourselves. Emily, you go first. Tell us about your, your bread business, how it started and where the subscription element of it fits in. Yeah. Hi. Um, so, yeah, my name is Emily. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Good and Bread. Um, and what we do essentially is delivering fresh artisan sourdough loaf straight to your doorstep. We operate in the sort of wider London area. Um, we have uh, we service a, a, a number of postcodes. Unfortunately, we're not outside of London yet, but that's in the pipeline. And it's, it's, a, it's a two-pronged approach. We obviously offer the subscription plan, uh, which is a once weekly, twice weekly delivery, you can get it kind of on a recurring basis. So you get charged every week and you get your loaf delivered every week to your doorstep, or you can get it kind of on a fixed term basis and you sign on for a three month commitment or a six month commitment and you get various different types of subscriptions. So you can personalize it um, depending on your kind of household numbers and your um, personal dietary restrictions if you are, you know, allergic to nuts or seeds or, you know, if you're vegan, et cetera, we take all that into consideration. And then we obviously, if, if subscription is not necessarily for you, because I think some, some people might might not want that kind of commitment, they can order a la carte and we have uh, something called the online bakery and they can come and select um, loaves and sourdough products kind of as and when they please. So yeah, that's kind of the overarching, um, the overarching kind of message for good and bread. Wonderful. Thank you. And Omar, tell us about tweaked yeah so tweaked um i came about um I, you know i've had a long and varied career um in professional sport <clears throat> and essentially i wanted to take those recipes um that performance nutrition idea and be able to deliver it to people across the country um so the idea was that you could have me virtually cooking in your house every single night of the week you know we again uh, we offer a subscription service um 
where we can tailor our meals to your performance needs, be that that you're an endurance athlete and you need to eat excessive amounts of carbohydrate for energy, or you know you want to lean up a little bit, um, and we kind of take all those considerations into what we do. You know, I think uh, fundamentally we're about really delicious food that looks incredible, um, tastes amazing, and will actually do you some good. You know, and I mean we also service um, a lot of professional sports teams as well with our fresh food offering. And you can also go to the website and you can purchase one off um, uh, to give yourself a try of our food. Um, and we're so certain that you'll come back because it is so delicious. Absolutely fascinating. Now, tell me both. Did you both start your businesses pre-COVID when online ordering became such a thing? T- tell us about how, you know, when you established um, Good and Bread and Tweaked. I'd love to hear how the idea of subscription first came into your minds. So for Good and Bread, it was um, it was launched during at, at the tail end of of the first lockdown. So June 2020 was when we soft launched. Um, it was kind of uh, in business plan stages before um, before COVID hit. Uh, so I had been kind of marinating. It had been kind of sitting with me at the tail end of 2019 already. Um, I wanted to um, kind of, you know, I guess revolutionize is kind of a big word, but kind of put something new out there that had to do with, you know, good quality um, artisan sourdough bread, which I thought was really difficult to find coming from a French background myself, where access to good bread was kind of a given, you know, you would go and get out your, get, you know, get your baguette, you know, sometimes twice a day. Um, if it meant you could have fresh bread on the table um, at every meal. So for me, it kind of connected the two between high quality sourdough and the easy access to it. So that kind of led me to come up with a subscription model, which meant, you know, there was that convenience element to the subscription and getting your bread delivered meant you didn't have to leave your house you or you could be out. And because of the letterbox format, we deliver our sliced bread in you didn't, you know, you, you, you didn't have to be home and, and it was contactless and, and so on and so forth. So it, it kind of made sense pre-COVID as well, if that makes sense. But it also, it was kind of even more amplified um, when COVID hit and people were even more housebound, didn't necessarily want to leave their house and, you know, um, you know, kind of wanted to treat themselves with something kind of high quality and premium. So it kind of just amplified the, you know, a, a feeling or a, a need that I felt was already present pre-COVID. That's so interesting. And you, you're, you're making me think of more questions, which I, I, I would love to pose to you both. I love also the idea of the, the letterbox friendly loaf. I think that's brilliant. So, uh, Omar, what about you? What, tell me about the origins of, of subscription as a model yeah. for you. Uh, so me and uh, one of my business partners, uh, a guy called Mike Naylor, you know, uh, we've worked together now for the past kind of 15 years, I think it is now, um, in professional sport. He's the nutritionist, I'm the chef, and together we bring magic into teams that we work for. And we'd kind of been toying with this idea for about 10 years. You know, it had been put on the back burner more times than I I could possibly recount um and and it was the lockdown I I I was the initial lockdown where I called him um he had covid at the time 
I was jumping up and down with excitement because I thought, well, do you know what? This is the first opportunity in our lives where we can possibly stop uh, from the daily grind and concentrate on this idea that we've had. And so it took us a year from that first lockdown in March um, until March of, of uh, this year and we launched. Um, but throughout the entirety of lockdown, you know, uh, uh, we were supplying food through a very kind of quasi subscription service um, to professional athletes up and down the country. It's been a very long, hard learning curve, but I think we are at the point where where that year of not having to concentrate on many other things um, has allowed us to, over the last few weeks, get things absolutely where we want them to be, um, to the point where the future's fairly bright now. That's so interesting. I mean, I think what, what binds the two of you together is not just the the model of your business, but it's also that extraordinary tenacity because, you know, I mean, it's it's so trite to say, but the last year and a half has been so tough, hasn't it? Pushed us all mentally, physically to the limit. But to, you know, like a dog with a bone, just keep pushing and pushing at your new businesses and just knowing that it can work in these difficult times. I think I, I take my hat off to you both. Well done. Yeah, I think it was about actually, just on that point, I think it was about actually taking any positive that we could as human beings throughout that period. Um, you know, the ability to be able to spend time with family and cooking and and developing out business ideas that potentially would have never come to fruition because as human beings that have to work and pay bills, it's not often that we get periods of time where we can stop and take the risks that otherwise we wouldn't. No, that's. I think that's very true. I think what's also interesting is that you both come from from food orientated backgrounds. I mean, Omar, you say that you're a chef, and Emily, that you you come from a baking background. So tell mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about that. Omar, you go first. Yeah. So I I had a very normal career. You know, I, I've now been cooking uh, professionally for. 25 years I'm afraid to say I'm slowly becoming an old man here um, and so 25 years and the first 10 years of that career were very usual you know fine dining restaurants five-star hotels um, and I got to the point where I was just absolutely bored of it um, and didn't feel that my career was actually going in the direction I per se wanted it to um, so I actually jumped out of the kitchen. I decided, you know, I'm not going to cook anymore. I'm going to try my hands at something else. Um, Realised that I'm pretty terrible at most other things. I, I was kind of lured back into a little bit of a part-time job uh, cooking for who were at the time London Wasps uh, rugby team and fell in love with the idea of... of uh, performance food you know the idea that I could have an impact on an athlete's recovery and performance and, and that kind of led me on to a number of really really wonderful jobs you know including uh, the past four and a bit years now working for the England football team it's been wonderful. That sounds fascinating. We'll have to come back to that, Omar. That's a that's a real cliffhanger to end on. Yes. And, and Emily, tell us about your baking background. I have a, a very particular interest in in um, in, in bread because uh, one of the other hats that I wear is that um, 
my company runs the Tip Tree World Bread Award. So I'm, I'm also in love with bread and baking. It's hard not to be in love with bread. I don't know. I, it's, it's, for me, it's such an emotional connection. I'm, it, it probably stems from my childhood more than anything. There's this element of nostalgia. Um, um, having grown up in France and living now in the UK, I just spent a few weeks in, in, in France myself and just kind of toured I used it as research, quote unquote, but I just toured as many bakeries as I could just to kind of get an understanding of, you know, what, what it is about French bakeries that evoke that kind of emotion in people. And, um, and so, so for me, it was just growing up in that environment. Um, I, have, I have this kind of longstanding appreciation and passion for it. My, my father um, was actually, well, his business um, in France, um, what was in the kind of baking, baked goods industry himself. So he, he, his career was, was kind of uh, in, in the baked goods business. It was at a more industrial scale. It was a little bit different. It didn't have that kind of artisan spin on it. But um, my interest in bread and baked goods definitely stems from that. When I started um, uh, Good and Bread, I felt a, a strong need to actually get tr proper training in, 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 I guess, boulangerie is, is what, you know, the kind of French traditional word um, is for the, for the actual certification. And so I kind of I signed on to the Cordon Bleu School in London um, and did it in tandem. Uh, I, so I, I followed the, the, the certification, the diploma. I started it in um, September of 2020 and completed it this year in July. So while the business was kind of getting on its feet and um, I was learning, um, you know, how to run a business, but also there was this huge element of the business, which was obviously the product itself, which I knew very little about when it came to how it was made and the techniques and different types of flowers and how, you know, different types of fermentation can affect the final products. And, you know, I kind of became incredibly passionate um, about it and then going to school you know, in tandem was, was just an, a further affirmation of, of why I was so passionate and why this kind of stuck with me, even though it was kind of quieted for a few years because I, you know, I was in the music business before I started Good and Bread, so it has nothing to do with, with bakery itself. But, um, but I think it kind of just sat there um, and was asleep for a while until I kind of had this, uh, I guess, this business idea that I wanted to kind of explore. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of, it, it has all these different touch points in my life. Um, and that kind of, uh, I guess, um, ended up, yeah, Good and Bread ended, ended up where, where it is now because of all these different uh, moments in my, in, in my life, I guess. Amazing. And, and I think another thing that binds you both is you're so passionate about what you do. And I just wonder, bearing in mind that your customers are largely subscribers, how do you communicate that passion? Yeah, I think... Um... I think if, if there's one thing that I've I've learnt very very quickly, you know, um, on this very long road that we're on, is is it's about actually building a community, a sense of belonging to something. You know, I it's not. I don't want to just sell food here. I I want to sell the idea that by buying our food and. Uh, um, you know, you become part of our family here and that we want to educate, you know, be that through nutrition, you know, we've got some incredible people involved in the business that are just experts in many, many fields. You know, I want to ensure that people understand that 
food is really evocative and it can put you in a really good place. You know, you have a terrible day at work, you come home to a delicious meal and it can be really uplifting. Um, and so it's a, for me and Tweaked, it's about building that, that a community and about constantly trying to engage people that do buy through subscription or don't buy through subscription. You know, there's knowledge that we as professionals can offer to people and share. And um, I like to think that, that that will have some return in sales. And if not, then I've done my bit for the world. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I, wonderful. I totally, totally agree with what Omar said. I think it's definitely the community building element helps, I guess, pull, pull a thread of passion through, you know, through, mm. through the story. Um, and, and, and when the community starts to come together around this, this passion point, it, it, it's really strengthening in terms of, you know, what the story is about. I, I, I totally agree. And it is a bit of an education because I guess subscription itself is, is kind of a new, a new concept for many in terms of food subscription. And, and, you know, when you're, I guess the, the, the product that, that we're, that we're offering is, is, is very niche as well. So it's quite specific. So why should they be, you know, buying into a bread subscription service and not just going to their um, local bakery? Um, that that's when the passion has to be even even stronger and communicated at a at a like other level to the point of education, um, information, engaging content. Like like you said, Omar talked like having experts on board, talking to nutritionists, and having the nutritionists be front and cent front and center, having the bakers be front and center, and just bringing that story to life um, becomes so much more important to be able to sell, you know, that story and really connect the dots of of what it is we're trying to do and what binds that community together. I think that's so true. I think I think that you know it's this the story behind the brand and the story around the brand is so important isn't it for the for the customer mm. because it's that's what gives the the emotional spark when they they click pay really you yeah. know it's what what they they're getting from you so i'm just thinking in terms of the subscribers so they i mean I, i'm i'm assuming that you saw growth in subscriptions over the lockdowns because everybody was shopping online do you think that's here to stay do you think that's going to grow how do you both perceive that yeah i think are we obviously living a very interesting world at the moment don't we um where where shopping has has changed massively and i don't know for anybody that's been in the supermarkets recently with what's happening in the world it's it's very hard to go and purchase in the way we used to. I think that that people's time um, has become more important to them throughout the lockdown, and we've potentially, hopefully, will come out of this, and and people want to spend less time on manual tasks and more time, kind of embracing life a little more, and so. In all honesty, I, I couldn't answer your question. I think subscription will stay. I think we're so used to paying for the likes of Netflix and Amazon um, and just seeing the money disappear from our accounts without thought. And I think I think it will grow uh, year on year. Um, 
and hence why hopefully I'm here to stay within this marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's it's a very difficult question to actually answer at the moment with what is happening in the world. I think that that's a very, very honest response. What, what do you think, Emily? I, I, I agree. I, I'm, you know, it's hard for me to say from a personal uh, uh, perspective because we launched during COVID, you know, and so we have no real reference point. Um, of course, our subscriptions grew, um, you know, and they keep growing exponentially. But, you know, I would say any new business with a new, hopefully you would see that kind of growth uh, no matter what. Hard to say whether COVID has, you know, accelerated that or not. If it, whether it's here to stay, it's, I think it is. I, you know, I think food subscription, like Omar said, food is one of these menial tasks that if we can tick that off the list because it's taken care of for you, then, you know, all the better for, you know, you can enjoy more time with the family, more time, you know, actually cooking or like baking something that's, you know, that's a bit different. Or I think, you know, you just have to um, imagine that those, you know, that that's off the list now. They can, they can do something else instead. So, you know, we very much approach it from a convenience perspective, um, but also, you know, being able to delight and treat yourself at home. And I think those are two very important things you know, more and more customers are, are, or like consumers in general are, are going in that direction. You know, they are more interested in nutrition. They are looking at, you know, nutrition labels and what's going and what, you know, where they're getting things from. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you'll be getting things in a supermarket and the labeling will not be very clear. Um, you know, you might be getting a, a, even a loaf of bread in a, in a supermarket or in a, in a kind of more commercial bakery. There, there's not proper um, labeling there. So people are really interested in finding out where where food is coming from. So so there's that element. And of course, just just the convenience of, of not having to lift a finger. And like you said, you know, you, it's just one of those other subscriptions that that people don't have to worry about. And food happens to be one of those very basic needs that everyone has to think about. So I, I think it is. I, I think it's it's growing, and as you, as you can see, that there's just so many um, there's so many different options of of food subscription businesses out there in in the UK. I think the UK is is definitely is in a, in a very interesting time for for that category. I, I hope it continues to grow and it becomes more and more complex. Hopefully, not too complex, but I think there's that element of personalization and having special plans created for you and 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 that's becoming so yeah vivid and interesting to to be around so hopefully it continues yeah yeah it's fascinating and i'm just thinking you know for myself i think uh the food subscription model for me works really well one because of convenience because i live uh actually in rural north lincolnshire my nearest little town mm. for shopping is a 10 mile round trip if i wow. and that's that i get local produce there but if i want to go to a a top end supermarket <laughs> mentioning no brand names then it's a 30 mile round trip so i have a mm. subscription to a really lovely um it's a greek olive oil which i found online during the first lockdown when i was in london so i now i'm i, I just love it and i don't want to have anything else and i get that mm. um but it's also about trust because you know you uh, now that we are fully out of the eu um you know that uh, mm. there are 
I see that, that fresh produce is being imported to UK, which is coming from non-EU countries. That's growing exponentially, but they are not using, they are not farming their produce necessarily to the same environmental standards or health standards as the EU. So I think by, by having a subscription for me, it's about knowing that if I have a subscription to Good and Bread or to Tweet, that those are very trusted sources. And that if I have any anxieties, I can come to you and I can ask. Yeah, yeah, and I that for me yeah. is something really important. I think it's, I mean, it's very important to, to a, a lot more people than it used to be, and that's going to grow. I completely and utterly agree there. Yeah, that trust and that response and that ability to be able to answer questions, you know, almost immediately is, has has been really, really important uh, to us as a business. You know, I'm very fortunate. I have an amazing lady um, in our customer service department who who is as passionate about what we do um, as anybody else in the business, you know. And so it means that uh, she can respond with, you know, absolute truth. Um, as she can do it immediately, and it builds up that relationship with our customers again. So she will quite regularly have emails at 11 o'clock in the evening and she'll respond immediately, you know. And it's, it's, it is, uh, trust is a big thing. You know, these people are giving you their money um, and putting their trust in you to deliver a product that says it's going to do what it does. Um, and that it is, you know, in our case, it's really good for them. So I've got just a couple more questions because we're sadly running out of time. There's so many more things I want to ask you. But what they're, they're slightly, um, uh, one is a slightly lighter question. What What's the most startling thing that a subscriber has ever asked you for? Oh, my word. <laughs> That's a bit, of a bit of a cheeky one to throw at you. And I'll give you the other one as well, just so you can be thinking about that at the same time. If we meet again in three years' time, where would you like your business to be? What would your dream be for three years' time? Because that's actually, that's not very far away, and yet a lot can happen. No. So who wants to go first? Well, I can, I, I can definitely answer the second question. You know, I think in, in three years' time, um, the ambition for me is to absolutely be you know, a market leader um, within our marketplace. Um, and that is not to um, put anybody out of business and it's not to see anybody else degraded in any way, shape or form. That I, I genuinely believe that there is room for all of us. Um, but I, I want to... I want to be that market leader. I think with the experience and the knowledge and the team that, you know, I'm very fortunate um, to, to have built, that we can impart that knowledge, we can create a, a product and a brand that just gets better and better and better. You know, I have a, a very simple philosophy uh, with my ops team, which is, as long as we do everything 1% better every single day, by the end of the year, we'll be 365% better than we were at the beginning of it. And that's truthfully the ambition, is to create and revolutionise um, the product that we have at present. Wonderful. Great ambition. Emily, over to you. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> That's a big question. I think in three years' time, um, 
our we would our mission would be to deliver nationwide uh, at the moment we're London uh, specific but if we you know continue to grow and the team expands to a point where we can um, easily handle operations and growth um, then hopefully in three years time we can do that hopefully a bit earlier um, and that's kind of more like on the logistics side and then to Omar's point it would be to also be a market leader in um, in the sort of bread subscription um, environment and again not to put anyone out of business and we're not competing we're not directly competing against um, other other bakery retailers at the moment because we offer something quite unique and hopefully that is the direction that you know a lot of consumers want to go and you know Obviously, there's so much work that needs to be done in the next three years to be able to achieve those things. Um, but you know, we we will you know we'll continue to to expect high things and you know respond to customers' demands and just listen. And I think listening will enable us to 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 get there. I think it's it's super important to 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 get as much customer feedback as possible in these early stages. Um, because customers now have that direct, you know, contact that they can give you all, you know, the, the good and the bad, the bad and the ugly and, and, and everything counts as constructive feedback. So that's hopefully what we will use as kind of our, um, yeah, our, our, our mission is to just make sure that we're, we're satisfying the customer needs, uh, as much as possible as we grow together with customers, I think. Customers are, I think, experiencing a new type of service with us, and so hopefully we can grow together and and keep rewarding and and making them feel special and part of a, a special club, and and that will continue to grow. So yeah, it's kind of a a, a very abstract goal, but um, but yeah, from from the operational and the sort of more yeah, I guess visionary um, bits, those are the two things that we will continue to to tackle. How exciting. Well, I feel full of confidence for you both. I'm going to let you off my unkind earlier question because that was a bit of a curveball. <laughs> but I have every faith that you are both going to be where you dream of being in three years' time because you have both got that vision and that passion and that tenacity and you are your brands. So well done. Keep it up and Come back and talk to me again in three years' time. Absolutely. Thank Thanks. you so much, Caroline. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.